You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Well, good morning. We are here in our current series, which we're not only uh, visiting on Sundays, we're running through our life groups and our children's work and Ignite, our youth work, a passion for the presence. To be clear, we're talking about one of the core values here in this church, which is a passion for the presence of God. To be clear, we are, we are unashamed to say we are consumed with encountering God himself. We made a decision we don't want to stay on the edge. We don't want to just talk about God. We don't want to just experience a form of religion. We want to know Him. We want to go after Him. We want to apprehend Him. We've set our lives that we must have God. I've set my life that I must have God. You can take everything away from me. This, you know, what we do here, seriously. Um, but I've made a decision. I must have God. Whatever He wants me to do, wherever He wants me to go, He can deploy me where He wants, but I must have Him. It's become a healthy obsession, if you will, a fabulous preoccupation. In his remarkable book, written in 1948, A.W. Tozer, in the pursuit of God, says this, in this hour of all but universal darkness, one cheering gleam appears within the fold of conservative Christianity. There are to be found increasing numbers of people whose religious lives are marked by a growing hunger after God himself. They're eager for spiritual realities, will not be put off with words, will not be content with correct interpretations of truth. They are a thirst for God. They will not be satisfied until they have drunk deep at the fountain of living water. Hosea writes, oh, that we might know the Lord. Let us press on to know him. You see, one of the great marvels to behold is that such a prospect is possible and not blasphemous, that this creator God, if you look on a night sky and you see the stars and you look out, and we cannot comprehend his magnificence, that this God has made it possible for us to know him, not to know about him. We, we should know about him, but to know him. I mean, I, it's changed my life that, that I could know him. And I hope it changes your life. I'm so excited about knowing God, encountering Him. For me, it's, it's remarkable, as we heard on, on the first week, that this creator God, this awesome God, that He created us in His image and likeness for intimacy. As Dr. John put it, however much we desire Him, He desires us more. And we need a revelation, we need a paradigm shift to grasp that thought but the scriptures, they shout it out to us if we'll just read them with an open heart. However hot our passion, we have for him, his passion for us is more. However much his presence may cost us, it cost him more. As we heard last week about his abundant grace, that though our flesh wants to hide from him when we sin, this is when we need his presence the most. And like Zacchaeus, we are, what a great phrase I see, we are welcomed at our worst. If we remember that, if we remember that, that the times in our lives where we, 
we fall and we fail, and everything within our flesh wants to withdraw from God, if we can remember we are welcome at our worst, it will change us. I invite you to come with me to two scriptures today, Matthew chapter 7 and Jeremiah 29. Matthew 7 and Jeremiah 29. Matthew 7, Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, verses 7 to 11, my underlining on the screen. He says this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone. Can we say everyone? This is, this is so important for us that we get this. For everyone, let's say it again, everyone. everyone. For ev- not, not for some, not for front row people, not for the guys in the check shirts. For everyone who asks, receives. I want to say to you today, everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. To the one who knocks, the door will be opened Jesus goes on to say, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? In the parallel account in Luke 11, he says, how much more will the Holy Spirit be given to those who ask? Those who seek, find. Jeremiah 29, verse 11 to The start of 14, I leave in verse 11 because you'll know this, many of you. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Many of us, we love that. We hold on to that. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. But notice this is what God says. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you declares the Lord. I will be found by you. I want to say to anybody with a hungry heart, if you seek him, you will find him. My title today is Seek and Find. Or if you don't like that, come a little closer. Sometimes Esther and myself, we might be sitting on the, the, the sofa at home, maybe watching TV or doing something. You see, we lead together here. We're, we're, we're colleagues, we're co-workers, we're co-leaders, we're partners in the gospel. But at home, she's my wife. And sometimes I might say, come a little closer. I want to put my arm around her. I want her to know that I love her. And I want to feel her love too. The invitation last week that we are welcome at our worst is not just to come, but to come close at all times. The invitation from God, if we're going to have a passion for his presence, is to come a little closer, to seek him and find him. James he puts it like this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I love the passion translation of this. Move your heart closer and closer to God and he will come even closer to you. We're talking about coming after God. You've got to understand, I'm on my favorite subject here today. You see, the discovery of God's presence has been the most fabulous realization of my life. I didn't grow up in the presence of God. Some of you, some of, some of our kids, they grow up in the presence of God. I never grew up in the presence of God. I didn't know the presence of God. I didn't know the presence of God was possible. I grew up with a, a passive atheist father and, and a mother who had grown up in a, a tradition of church and a form of Christianity, and she taught us to believe in God. My experience and my exposure to the things of God included in my teenage years the occasional visit to a cathedral service. 
Now, you've got to hear my heart here because we love the whole church. We are passionate here about kingdom partnership and unity. And here in the city of Coventry, we are grateful for our friends and brothers and sisters at Coventry Cathedral that we're working with. I'm just speaking out of my journey as a 14-year-old going to a cathedral service in another city where what I experienced was an incredible building. What I experienced was ornate robes for clergy and those serving, was spectacular choral singing, was high liturgy, and was the gospel sung in Latin, and it spoke to me of a God. It spoke to me of a God who was real, who was powerful, who was to be revered and to be honored and probably to be obeyed, but it also spoke to me of a God who was so far beyond me that I might honor him But how could I ever contemplate knowing him personally? This awesome God, this high and lofty and wonderful, and he is those things. This God, seemingly unreachable God, this creator and awesome God that I came to believe in, he then ambushed our family. He broke in. Some of you know the story of, of how it started where my mom went to a, a meeting with a friend and had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. She didn't know what it was. Things were getting so dramatic with the power of God breaking out. She lent to her friend who'd taken her to say, I'm going to go and get some fresh air. And as she leant over, she felt a cross from the top of her head to the bottom of her back across her shoulders like she was burning, like she was being branded. And she got stuck in that moment. She never said, I'm going out. And as a 16-year-old, she must have gone without house keys. She came back to the house, knocked on the door, rang the doorbell. I remember running down the stairs to open the door to my own mom and open the door and saying, what has happened to you? She was radiant. There There was a blazing in her eyes. Her face was, she was different. And I said, what has happened to you? She said, I have no idea. But this seemingly unreachable God ambushed our family. He came in and we found that we could know him. We found that we could encounter him. I began to understand I could encounter God and know his presence and feel him and tangibly know God. And it has been the greatest thrill of my whole life. It's ruined me. That's the problem with the presence of God. It ruins you for anything else. It doesn't matter. Anything can change, but I I can't not have God now I've tasted him. And I'm aware you may be here today and that's not yet been your experience. Maybe you sense something. I want to invite you. You just got to keep coming in. And I'll try and say some things that will give you some sense of what that might even mean. Because for me, I, I had to find my way. No one taught me the, the way. No one gave me the manual. Now you're a Christian. This is how you find God. I just had to work it out. But it changed me to know him. And on the journey, he's let me come so close to him sometimes that all I can do is weep, only I'm not sad. Times when my heart is thumping in my chest, only I'm not nervous. I've been overwhelmed with joy at times in the presence of God. There have been times when I have dared not move because the weight of his presence is so thick. 
I've experienced times of divine impartation, like a massive spiritual download for another day. There have been times in gatherings with everyone sat down like this where I wanted to stand up and shout, Jesus. I remember the first time I learned to nurture his presence for an extended period of time, more than coming into a corporate gathering and, and sensing the presence of Jesus. Lasted almost three months where I, I made a decision as a young man to, to come off all screens and to simply any opportunity I had by myself to, to worship and to pray. That in my private times or times at home just to be in the scriptures or reading Christian books about revival and the, my sensitivity, my awareness of God grew and grew and I could recall his presence at a moment just by saying his name. I stayed plugged into Christ Center community, serving at church. I tried not to become weird, although maybe I was being, becoming a bit weird compared to most. But wow, what a thing to walk in his presence. I remember working part-time at Asda in that season, being overwhelmed by his presence on R13. People walking up and down doing their shopping. Don't know how it's possible. The thing about the presence of God, it, it satisfies deeply and it makes you hungry for more. The temple in Jerusalem, it, it had the court of the Gentiles and the outer courts and the court of Israel and the court of the priests and the altar and the holy place and the most, the most holy place, the place where his presence dwelt. And you know, my journey is it's like as a teenager, I was in the court of the Gentiles just peering over the wall and then the Lord took me by the hand and led me in through the outer courts and through the court of Israel and past the altar and even into the holy place. And, and then in front of the most holy place, a curtain that should have divided from where I was, from where his manifest presence was, was torn from top to bottom, which happened at the cross. And he invited me even in there. Metaphorically speaking, when we're talking about the presence of God, we're talking about our real, genuine, tangible encounter with God himself that we might know him. I want, I want you to know today it's possible to know him, not know about him, to know him, to sense him. You see, God is omnipresent if we understand who he is. Basic doctrine, basic Christian theology will tell you that God is Omni, it means all. He's omniscient, he's all-knowing, he's omnipotent, all-powerful, and he's omnipresent. It means he's everywhere. The Psalmist 139 says, where can I go from your presence? If I go up to the, the mountains, to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, even there, I'll find you. You see, there's nowhere that God isn't. But we're speaking about more than that. This omnipresent God, he makes himself known. He... He comes by the indwelling presence, the Holy Spirit, who is God himself, comes and dwells within. Jesus, speaking of the Holy Spirit in John 14, says, but you know him, for he lives with you and he will be in you. And he makes himself known by his manifest presence. The one who is omnipresent reveals his presence. He, his omnipresence, which is 
he concealed and somehow hidden, he will make known, he will reveal himself. That's why sometimes people come in our services and they, they've never been in church before and they begin to weep and they say, I don't know what's happening to me. Because the omnipresent one, they didn't encounter that in Tesco. But they encounter it here because he reveals his presence. His presence becomes manifest. A couple of weeks ago, Dr. John opened up this series turned us to Genesis 3, 8, where Adam and Eve sinned, and, and the NIV says, hid from the Lord. It doesn't actually say hid from the Lord. If you look at the Hebrew, it says they, they hid from his presence. They hid from the presence of the Lord. They hid behind some trees from the presence of the Lord. Now, if God is omnipresent, he's on the other side of the trees. They weren't hiding from his omnipresence. They were hiding from his manifest presence. God says to Moses, my presence will go with you, and I'll give you rest. And Moses says, if your presence doesn't go, we ain't going. They knew something of his presence made known, his presence revealed. Exodus 34, 34, Moses goes up the mountain of, of Sinai and encounters God there. It says this in the scriptures, whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak to him. He entered the Lord's presence, the one who is omnipresent. He manifests his presence. And, and although he was omnipresent at the bottom of the mountain, he was manifestly present at the top of the mountain. And Moses went there. He removed his veil until he came out. And when he came out, he told the Israelites what he'd been commanded. And they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went to speak to the Lord. Notice he was changed in the presence of God. We also need to understand what this word presence means. In the Hebrew, the word is pornim. It means presence, but it also means face. When, when David says in Psalm 27, your face, your face, Lord, I will seek. He says pornim. He says your, your face, your presence is the same thing to be in front of, to to be before, to be before somebody is to be in their presence. Uh, Adam and Eve, they were hiding from the very face of God, that he was turned towards them for encounter. When we're talking about the presence of God, my friends, we're talking about encountering him, that he reveals his face, his, the presence of God. It's not a goosebump, it's him. He comes that we might know him. This is the essence of his presence, his face, that we might come to experience him, not in theory, but in reality. We can sense it tangibly sometimes. Sometimes it's weighty. Here's the thing, my friends. We're, we're not pursuing a feeling. We're pursuing a person. When we talk about having a passion for the presence of God, we're not, we're not running after a goosebump. We're running after him. We're here to find him. Now, when we find him, we encounter his presence, and tangibly, it can change us, and it is the most glorious place to be, the experience for me. There's nowhere else I want to be than in the presence of God, but I come into his presence when I seek after him, and he reveals himself. A couple of weeks ago, in our 8.30 prayer meeting, we just began to pray. We gather our teams at 8.30 to come and pray and pray into the day. And I remember that morning because we started to pray and the Lord presenced himself in that little room. 
I looked across at Esther because we know each other. I could see she was choking up and we just nodded. The nod that meant the Lord's here. The one who's everywhere has just entered the room. Somehow, I don't know how it works, but the Lord is here. We're going after him. Notice Jeremiah says, you'll call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. When he presences himself in a tangible way, it's wonderful. But you might ask, how do I go after him? How do I pursue intimacy? How do I come a little closer? That's where we must return to our opening verses. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for everyone who asks, receives, everyone who seeks, finds. I will be found by you. My friends, God doesn't hide from us. He hides for us. We must never confuse our seeking with earning. We're, we're not notching up holy points for another door to be opened. But he doesn't impose his presence. He waits to be found and he gives us the keys to come after him and find him. And we must learn those keys to become seekers. And as we use those keys, we're merely accepting the invitation and appropriating the promise that's already been given that everyone who seeks finds. Our, our flesh will always try and tell us we're earning his presence because our flesh will never comprehend grace. To be a person of the presence, we have to go after him. We have to want him. We have to search for him. We have to pursue him. We have to make him the focus and the obsession of our lives and we'll find him. But my friends, I want us to note here today that the next move is ours. Those who seek, find. To encounter the presence of God, we have to be those who seek him, those who go after him. And the promise is if you do, you will find him. David says, Psalm 63, God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. He, he had a seeker's heart. He found God. We know David found God, but he, we get a glimpse of why he found God. He found God because he saw God. He went after God. He says, I thirst for you. This is new language. No one's ever written like this before. He was able to articulate something. We sing songs like that now. No one had ever said that before. And David says, I, I thirst after you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water. The King James, verse 8, my soul followeth hard after thee. He says, God, I'm coming after you. Ready or not, here I come. I'm coming after you, God. I'm thirsting after you, God. The sons of Korah, the same, Psalm 42, as the deer pants for streams of water. We don't understand this, but, but in a context in that culture, there will be times of drought and the, the wild deer finding, searching for water. My soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. I love this. When, when can I go and meet God? It's what I want to do. Philippians 3, Paul says it like this, whatever were gains to me. If you go down the gym, whatever are gains, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing 
Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. I want to know Christ. This one who writes Romans and writes Ephesians, did he not know him? But he says, ah, ah, I want to know him. He knew him like, I don't know if any of us know him, and yet he still says, I want to know him. He's saying, I'm coming after you. I'm pursuing him. He asks, how, how do I pursue him? How do I move my heart closer and closer that he would come closer to me? Well, my first answer would simply be this, by all means possible. Now, I know that's a really unsatisfactory answer, and I will get a little bit more practical in a moment, but you have to understand the most important thing is our hunger. I can give you 20 ways of seeking after God, but if you're not hungry, it's a waste of time. But if you're hungry, I give you nothing, and you'll still find him. I remember seeing on TV one time a, I don't even know what he was. He was a consultant, high-end consultant or something. Life coach. He was a much sought-after person. And, and he had a business card. And his business card, it was blank on one side. On the other side, it just had his name, Mark. And he said this, if they really want me, they'll find me. Now, I've got to say, I thought it was supremely arrogant. But at one level, he was saying, my diary is full. I don't need more clients. But if they really want me, they'll find me. I want to tell you, if you want him, you'll find him. You don't need my list of 20 things. I'll share one or two things I've learned on the journey. But if you want him, you'll find him. And I've come to learn the most important thing I can do is fuel my own fire. It's to nurture my own hunger. Romans 12 says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. You know, for me, I'm, I'm super careful what I listen to. I like other forms of music, but I rarely listen to anything other than worship music. And not just any worship music. I'm always searching for songs that bring me into his presence. And, and if I find them, they'll make it onto my playlist. Because I need to fuel my own fire. And I can listen to some stuff and it will do nothing for my spirit. And I can listen to some things and it will draw me nearer. It will put petrol on my own fire. I'm, I'm, I don't read as much as I, I'd like to and probably that I should. The strange thing is though, there are some books I've read over and over and over. And so many books that I could read that I haven't read. And you say to me, why, why are you reading Pursuit of God again? Why are you reading Reese Howell's Intercessor again? Why are you reading Heavenly Man by Brother Yana again? Why? Because they fuel my fire. Why are you reading about revivals again? You already read that. You know what happens. Why? Because it fuels my fire. When I go on a long fast, I don't risk a new book. I go to a trusted book. I go to a book I know is going to be bring me into his presence. Because in those times, I need to pour petrol on my own fire. Because if I'm hungry, I'll go after him. And if I go after him, I'll find him. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I know. Our lack of hunger can be the problem we, for so many of us so often... We want to want to read the Bible, but we don't actually want to read the Bible. 
We, we want to want to pray, but the appetite itself isn't really there. What do we do in those moments? You may think you're so dry, there's nothing there. But I expect there's something. Just something. You only need something. Isaiah 43 says, a bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Reminds me of the widow's oil in 2 Kings 4. Elisha comes, the man of God, he says, what you got? She says, she says this, I've got nothing at all. Remember that. There's a little pause, and then she says, except a little oil. Aha. Sometimes it's like we've got nothing at all. Like we're dried up, got no hunger to come after God, but I bet there's a little oil. I bet there's something. I remember at university, just losing my way over a, a period of time. I just wasn't where I ought to have been with God. And it's a long time ago now, and I can't fully remember the details, but I remember coming to a point where I just knew I wasn't where I wanted to be with God. Hadn't read my Bible for days, hadn't prayed in earnest. My church attendance had become sloppy. My appetites had turned to other things, but there was something in me. There was a little oil that says, I don't want to be like this. I want God. And I put off coming back to him for so long because I thought, it's taken me this long to drift. It's going to be such hard work to come back. If it's taken me three months to get here, it's going to take me three months to get back there. And I, I positioned myself at the bottom of this huge mountain. But I decided the only thing to do was to start to climb. And I remember setting aside a morning to come and to pray. I was about half an hour in and the Lord presenced himself. And he took me right to the top of the mountain. This is the grace of God. You may only have a little oil. It's not how much you've got, it's what you do with it. Will you pour it out? Will you come after him? Will you come in those dry moments and say, God, I'm dry. He knows. But here I am, God, and I do desire you. I don't desire you much. Would you give me more desire? Just begin to engage. Be a seeker. Be an asker. Be a receiver and be a finder. The presence of God. In my journey so far, I've come to know some really obvious ways of going after him to pursue intimacy, to come a little closer. I've come to know that I find him when I worship. Mark Beswick will teach into this next Sunday, one of his life messages. I've come to know that worship is a key. We enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And we sense him so often in times of corporate worship. Some of the most significant times of encounter for me have been in times of corporate worship. I remember an incredible evening one time. It's the first time I'd ministered with Mark in Nottingham and we... We came into the intensity of the presence of God. We went as far as I'd ever been. And I was the most senior person in the room in that gathering, and I didn't know what to do next. I didn't know how to get through the next door. I, I knew there's always, there's always another door with God. There's always another space to go into. I didn't know. I'd never been through the next door. I remember Mark saying, can I say something? I can't remember what he said. He just began to pray or sing or something, and the whole thing lifted to another level. 
We entered into another space. Remember the end of that evening? Total strangers were just hugging each other. The, the love of God broke out in the room. It was like, this is, this is heaven on earth in the presence of God. Barriers were broken down. People were set free. Chains were broken. In an atmosphere of worship. I've had to learn to worship in private. I remember as a young Christian shared this with those on a serving and leading track this week. A strange looking preacher, a short bald guy from Canada, coming and teaching in the church where I was. And he had a voice that you wouldn't want to record. But I remember him just mid-sermon talking about walking with the Lord and worshiping. And he just started to sing, you're amazing, Father, you're amazing, your perfect love never ending. You're amazing. He's this little guy sang in a shaky voice. The presence of God filled the room. And I thought, the Lord loves this. He loves this. You might have a prison voice. I don't mean a Paul and Silas. I mean you're behind a few bars searching for a key. Uh, but. Thank you. Doesn't matter. He wants to hear your voice. He wants to hear your voice. He wants to hear you sing. It's the key. If you want to come after him, how do you come after him? Be a worshiper. Learn to worship in private. I left the house early this morning to hear my dear wife singing to the Lord in our living room. She wasn't doing it for any, anybody else. She learned to worship behind closed doors. I've come to know that I find him when I pray. Alone, when I pour out my heart to God, when I cry out to God, sometimes the, the, the most powerful times of encounter are when I just pour my heart out. He knows everything, but I think he wants to hear it. You might be frustrated, and you might be frustrated with God. Let me give you a key. Tell him. He can handle it. You might not be sure if you believe in him. Tell him. He can handle it. He's God. He's secure enough. But something happens when we pray, when we cry out. One of the great failings of the people of God. We hold on to so much stuff and we don't cry out to Him. Cry out to Him. How do you seek? Cry out to Him. Speak to Him. Come after Him. Pour it out. In some of our prayer meetings corporately, times where I've encountered God, Come after him by positioning myself in the place of prayer. I'm at the end of our, our prayer and fasting in September on a Thursday night. Wow! It was holy ground. The presence of God was weighty in that place. I've been in thousands of prayer meetings. It's not always like that, but sometimes it is. And it changes you when you're in it. It ruins you when you're in it. Learning to pray with others. Learning the power of speaking in tongues and praying in the Spirit at length. I've come to know that I find Him in His Word, especially when I invite the Holy Spirit to open the Word to me and I meditate on the Word and I, I, I don't just read through and close. I stop and meditate and allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate His Word to me. And when you get a word from the Word, 
a rhema from the Logos, something alive comes out of his word, you encounter his presence. His word will shape your life and position you for encounter. The psalmist says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've had a small number of occasions where the Lord has spoken to me so powerfully through his word, like an epiphany that I'll never forget, the lowest point of my life. I remember sitting in a grotty little room and through just a sense of duty and discipline, reading the Bible, and I remember I came to the end and I said, Lord, do you want to say anything to me? And he said, turn to this place. Do you want my arrogance? I said, Lord, I know that verse. He said, I know you know that verse. I want you to read around it. And I turned to that verse and I read around it. And he spoke a powerful prophetic word into my life. I wept and I wept and I wept. I've come to know I'll find him in his word. I've come to know I find him when I obey him. I believe the obedient posture of my life opens me up to his presence. But you notice the willful disobedience of Cain led him out from the Bible says the presence of God. Jonah in chapter one, it says he, he fled from the presence of God. The poor Neem, he turns from the face of God. It's the same word. He goes away because he doesn't want to receive the mandate. He turns away from the face in willful disobedience. But then when he cries out from the belly of the great fish, God in his mercy hears him and brings him right back in. And I've come to know that I find him when I fast and when I pray. I'm going to invite the band to come and join me. For me, I'm not saying this necessarily for you. For me, this has been my greatest key. I love prayer and fasting. I remember I first fasted when I was at university, and I felt the Lord speak to me. I didn't even know about fasting, and I felt the Lord speak to me to fast. And I remember, I'd literally, I'd never missed a meal in my life. I said, Lord, how long? And I, as clear as I've heard God, the Holy Spirit said, two days. I was like, two days? I could die. And I remember fasting for two days for the first time, and the spiritual sensitivity, my awareness to his presence, it was something I had never experienced before. And I learned the key of fasting. As a young guy before I was married, used to take the first week of, of the year and just go, if I could twist somebody's arm, go with a friend and go to seek God, just to seek God, just to pray and fast for five or seven days. And when I say fast, I know this might seem really obvious, but people ask me, yes, eat no food maybe a glass of juice or water and why because I want God and I needed to come after him and sometimes I have to create space to do that and I remember those times oh wow just to come away just to worship and pray to read the word to listen to wait on him change my life because seekers find I didn't always find him powerfully in those moments, but not long after something would happen. And the first time doing a 21-day fast, I just wanted him. And I didn't know what else to do to find him more. I remember starting this year, 21 days of prayer and fasting. 
just to seek God, just to come after Him. It's like, Lord, we're coming after you. We're coming after you. I'm so excited for January. I can't tell you. Never mind Christmas. I, I'm, I, I'm excited for January. So do a 21-day fast, and I'll seek God, and I'm clearing my diary. You won't get a meeting with me in that time because I'm coming after God. I remember at the start of this year, uh, the, the final lunchtime prayer meeting, it was day 19, and literally, I, I had to turn away from the group, and I went into the corner of the room, and I wept. I was like, God, I don't want this to end. I, I knew, I knew what my diary was the next week. It was loaded. I knew what I was heading back into, and it's right, because we're on an assignment here. We're called to bring the kingdom to every life and sphere of society. We're called to serve by leading. And it has demands and it has responsibility. And I knew I had to go and attend to that. But I was like, God, I don't want this to end. I just want to keep coming after you. If you've never sought him with fasting, just make a start. Miss a meal, take a day. Let me tell you, the three days are, first three days are always the worst. Then you're away. By day 21, you won't be bothered whether you eat or not. But there's a hunger grows in our hearts for Him. Next week, we've got three days of prayer and fasting. Make a decision. Press in. Come after Him. January the 6th to the 26th, 21 days of prayer and fasting. I know some of you, you're, you're raising families. You're, you're doing manual work. You, you've got to work out what works for you. But something that says, I'm going to come after you finish today. I'm going to pray. We're going to create some time intentionally to respond to him. I want to ask you, will you be a seeker? Will you be a seeker? Will you come after him? In these moments now, I'm going to invite you to respond. Let's pray where we are. Lord, what a thought that we can find you. What a thought that we can know you. What a thought, God, that you'd be found by us. Oh, we come after you, God. I want to invite you are where you are to begin to respond. Maybe you're dry. You feel there's nothing there. I tell you, I bet there's a little oil. I bet there's just something. I need to begin by saying, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Right across this room, we're not going to launch into a song for a moment. Just begin to speak to Him. If you desire Him, tell Him, Lord, I, I desire You. I love You. I seek You. I want to know You worship you. Maybe you don't know where you are right now. But God, well, why don't you use this time to say, Lord, I don't know where I am, but I know that I need you in my life. Right across this room, let's begin to pray, begin to worship. Do whatever you need to do. Just respond to him. If it helps you to make a physical response, to come out of your seat, to find some carpet, to to kneel down, to come down the front, to stand up, to cry, I don't care. Just do what you need to do. But don't miss a moment to come after Him. Don't miss a moment to call out to Him. 
Oh, Jesus.